This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets. Welcome, welcome, my lovely lumps. Or should I say lovely labs? I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. Ah, uh, can never help myself. Anyway, we're going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up, you're about to receive the sex ed that you never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in, I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, if you're ready, let's flap and do this. <laughs> oh God, is there such thing as too many vagina jokes in the one intro? <laughs> Whatever, I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic, you're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull the couch. It's the Labia Lounge. Hey, my labial ledge hammers. Thanks for joining me in the lounge this week. Well, this week for some chats about how to use embodiment to enhance your relationships, to access deeper pleasure in your body, and for calling in an epic partner or lover, because we all want to know how to do that, hey? So let me give you the DL on my guest today before we leap in. Riley is an embodiment and sensuality guide who emphasizes self-exploration and body safety. Her mission is to help women and pussy havers feel safe and at home in their bodies so that they can confidently move throughout their lives and relationships with peace, pleasure, and power. Mmm, triple P. She's infatuated with exploring the realms of love, polarity, and relationship dynamics and has seen how massive shifts are possible when we inhabit our bodies, practice the art of sacred gift giving, and let ourselves be fully seen. Mmm, yum. Pull up a clit cushion and make yourself comfy, Riley. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so good to have you. I um, I discovered so your Instagram here. pretty recently. A friend sent me a post of yours and was like, seriously, have you gotten around this chick? Because she is so your vibe. And I watched a bunch of your fucking hilarious reels and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I feel like she's my best friend, you know, like um, all of your content's just so cheeky and playful and authentic. And yeah, I was like, that is so fucking on brand. Uh, I got to get her on. So yeah, just before we launch into the nitty-gritty, I'd love to give the listeners a little rundown of your journey mm-hmm. and how you came to be doing the work that you're doing today because mm-hmm. I know that you've got a pretty pretty interesting backstory when it comes to like sexuality and embodiment stuff. So do you want to give us a little rundown on all of that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I ha- I've always been interested in sex, sexuality, romance, like rewinding kissing scenes on movies. When I was like a little girl, I was like, what is happening right now? I'm tingly. Um, and so I was like, oh, I can't wait to have sex. Like literally when I was eight, um, I was like for my 25th birthday, I'm going to have an orgy. And I did like barely even knew what that was, but it, that's like how deep it was. Um, and then when it came time for me to actually have sex for the first time, I was in a really loving relationship. I was 18 and about like six months into my like, you know, sexy journey, I had so much body shut down and like trauma coming up from, you know, my, my lineage and from like 
karmically, cosmically, like all this stuff. And I had no idea how to deal with it. So it was a lot. And, um, and it was just, it was so much and it never really stopped. And so then that relationship um, ended because it was just like time to end. And then uh, in 2020, I had a lot of space, (laughs) I had a lot of space to explore. And then it was, you know, finding ways to feel safe in my own body and um, kind of playing with embodiment and, and sensuality. And then, you know, yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. Amazing. And so just to clarify and go into a bit more detail, you mentioned like mm-hmm. having a lot of body shut down. So what do you mean by that? What was your experience there in the bedroom when you're experiencing body shutdown? Yeah. Yeah. It was like, um, it was, it would kind of be out of nowhere. It was pretty much every time I had sex or every, you know, every sexual moment. And then it just became so much so where it was like my partner at the time would like, you know, maybe touch my back. Like we lived together. So he would like maybe touch my knee or like hold me and I would completely freeze and I would, my body would contract. And a lot of, so many times it was just like tears, just sobbing, like big trauma response basically of like, um, freezing and like fetal position, like we'd be having sex and he would like maybe move his hand from his, you know, my waist to um, my butt or like from my thigh to my waist. And I would just like freak and, and just um, lose all sense of safety. And it was really, really hard. It was hard for both of us. So that's kind of what I mean. Yeah, totally. That must have been so challenging for both of you and so confusing. Um, And I know like in our chats before we actually hit record, like you were kind of explaining that it didn't, it didn't actually feel like it was yours, like your trauma. And even though it would have been a lot more, like it would have made more sense and been less confusing if there had been a trauma that you could remember. And that was like the reason why this was all happening. Like you felt as though it was like perhaps in an intergenerational or um, passed down or like trauma of, I mean, you can, ex- you can explain mm-hmm. it better than I can, but yeah, you were kind of saying that it, it didn't even really feel like your trauma. It was like your body was a conduit or like providing an outlet for trauma mm-hmm. that had already happened in a past life or to some, you know, to yeah. like collective womankind. Yeah. It was, um, cause man, like when that, when that happened, um, I was like, what's wrong with me? And so then my first thought was like, you know, I should go to talk therapy. That's going to help, you know, like, let's just like talk linear mind shit. That's, you know, then I'll be fine. It didn't help at all. Um, and from my experience, you know, it's fine for, you know, it's good for some people. But um, so the more I dug into it, because uh, I was really trying to find the answers, but then leaving the relationship, like I wasn't having sex. And, you know, so I was also it was like COVID. So like a lot of people at the beginning weren't having sex. And so um, then I just started to kind of I was doing a lot of meditation, really my spirituality journey, like took a huge shift there and opened up so much more. So I was having like really deep conversations with, um, you know, the universe, source, the divine, all the, you know, all the things. And then, uh, and then it became really clear that it was, this stuff didn't feel like mine and it wasn't mine. So what I, when it would come up before is I always explained it to like my mom or my friends or, you know, my partner at the time, like this feels like I've been raped in a past life, but I didn't really have any like context for that or I, you know, a big idea of it. And uh, it just felt like it wasn't my own, but I could feel it so much. Yeah. So that was like, it, you know, there would just be a lot of things coming through. Um, 
visions and feelings and just uh, things that were a lot for like my nervous system to handle. Um, and I didn't really have any boundaries at the time with that because it's, you know, I want, I want to see that. I want to be, I want to help. I want to help the universal feminine. That's like fucking help me fucking listen to me. And um, I want to listen. I want to see her. And so, but like, if I'm just like opening up the gates, like sure, any moment you want is yours. Like that's not a sustainable thing for my life or for my partner now. So it's a little tricky. (laughs) Yeah, big time. It makes me, it makes me think of like, I mean, I haven't had anything quite so persistent as that. Um, And I'm not quite as sensitive to, to that sort of thing, or at least not, not at the moment. Um, but I really have had experiences where I don't know, I might be having um, a crygasm or like cervical stimulation or something, which really taps you into, you know, your heart space and a totally like a deeper place um, sexually and like energetically and within your body. So those have been moments where it's like the the veil is thinner and I can I I can feel it feels like I'm crying just wells and wells like these this untapped well of grief that isn't necessarily mine like it feels as though it's almost like from the collective consciousness of all of womankind or you know every woman who's ever been abused or felt sexually unsafe or like it's just this wild um torrent of emotion and grief that seems to just flow out of me and be never ending sometimes um and I like love a good opportunity to have a cry. I like really lean into that and just go with it. It's very cleansing. It's like a big purge and, you know, it feels safe for me to do that. Um, yes. Because I've kind of got myself and I've, totally. I've got a really loving, supportive partner who's very used to me just bursting mm-hmm. into tears and he's like, yeah, just mm-hmm. go there, babe. Mm-hmm. Like, let it out. Um, but even I know when I've had clients, it's been happening a lot more since I've been doing yoni mapping work and working with clients with sexual trauma and things like that. And um, I've had clients before one in particular leaps out at me um she'd undergone female genital mutilation over in Africa when she was four and um so I was doing body work on her um yoni and you know could obviously see the damage that they had done cutting off her clitoris and labia and things and after that session I just I just cried for so long it felt like and and over the next week I was just continuously tapping into that like massive massive grief and trauma of all of the women who had you know the millions of women who had undergone female genital mutilation and I just felt like I was crying on their behalf and just allowing that to flow through me so I kind of you know can relate a little bit to what you um what you're talking about there but I haven't I haven't sort of had the the full-blown bodily trauma responses and shutdown and stuff as much as especially not lately since I've sort of been um you know a few years into this work so yeah wow um so I, I'd really love to chat a little bit about uh, embodiment and what it even is first because it's become such a buzzword and super trendy, like in, in uh, my circles at least. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I'm wondering what embodiment means to you and how you'd describe embodiment to someone who had never right. heard of it. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a few different, you know, everybody has their own uh, definition of it. For me, it's just inhabiting your body 
that's like the easiest way for me to say it. it's just being in your body. And, um, you know, it's easy to separate, like, you know, witness your body, like you are your body. Like we, you know, we know that it's one thing, but it's kind of easy to separate. So when you go, when you kind of nestle yourself backwards and down, like out of your head and you go down, 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 like the farther down I go into my body, I'm like, Oh, Whoa, there's stuff. Hey body. And just giving, giving, uh, attention, affection, and awareness, permission, a voice. It's just slowing down, stopping the chatter and, and listening and just being inside like as deep as you can go. Like, okay, what about my like arm bone? What about my finger bone? What about like the cells in my, you know, rectum? Like what about my spleen or my kidney? Like to go, you can go real, real deep or you can be like, okay, like here, you know, kind of I'm forgetting that we're only on audio because I'm just like moving my body like a little octopus, but just, just being, uh, being within your body. is just the you know easiest way to say it. Yeah. I love that. Keep it simple. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about like why it's important to practice embodiment and, and I guess how to, <laughs> how to make it practical. I guess I find especially in this day and age um, when we really don't get a lot of excuses or opportunities to move and connect with our bodies that it gets trickier and trickier to fit it in or integrate it um, in a sustainable way. And yeah, I'm sitting at my laptop a lot more. I don't get as much... um, I don't get as much movement into my day, but there are, of course, other ways to practice embodiment that don't even require movement and stuff, right? So yeah, I'm wondering like why you feel it's really important to practice embodiment um, and especially focus on it now that we're kind of encouraged to do it less and less with our, you know, modern lifestyles. Mm, That's a good question. And um, kind of before I launch into that, there's just something that comes up where it's like, I don't, even me, you know, like I don't do an embodiment practice every day. Like I just don't. Um, but my whole life, like I find little opportunities to be okay. I'm in my body. Like a really great way is when you're waking up, like you're, you know, in dreamland, sleepyville, whatever. And then you kind of wake up and you're already coming back into your body, you know, like from the freaking like astral plane or wherever. Right. And so you can kind of like rub your arms or like stretch a little bit. We do these things naturally, but to just put a little bit more intention of like, okay, I'm going to really feel my body. Like, where am I crunchy? You can deepen your breath, maybe sound a little bit. Um, That's like easy peasy. You know, when you take a shower and you're like washing your hair or like scrubbing your body, like feel your body, feel your skin. So it can be like a practice, like a sit down, but at the same time, it's like, Um, so much of kind of when you're asking, like, why is it important is because I feel like um, in this day and age and with all these these um, practices on like basically how to be a better human, that's like, you know, what we're trying to do. They're so um, structured and you have to do this like, okay, sit on your mat and sit on your little cushion and be there for an hour and open your fucking heart. It's like, whoa, (laughs) that might be easier uh, said than done. So um, for me, I like to really keep it simple, practical. I go outside every morning, you know, my feet in the, in the, you know, maybe mud or, or dirt or whatever, 
and I'll just dance to maybe like two or three songs, like piano music or something else, and just dance a little bit. And then maybe I will do a different practice in the afternoon. But I prefer, and this is what I would advise, especially when starting, is to just see in your everyday moment um, where you can go, oh, that's right, I'm in a body. Oh, that's right, I love my body. Okay, well, I love being in my body. You know, how good does it feel to, like, you know, comb through my hair with my fingers? And those kind of things. Like, that's where the real, when we create, create space and some stillness, and an opportunity to be in our body, that's when everything changes to me, for my, in my opinion. Okay, so give us some examples, like how has it impacted your life positively? What are some of the benefits that you've seen? Like how's it, yeah. Oh my God, like my whole life's changed. I mean, you know, it's kind of like my, my like path and now career. So it's like a, it's a totally different thing for me personally. But um, I used to try like in 2020, right? It kind of all started with like the spirituality journey or whatever. And so it was so much like meditation, emptying my mind, like merging with consciousness and like, you know, focusing on nothing. And I now the more that I, um, you know, get into my hips, get into my sensuality, get into my pleasure, both sexual and non-sexual pleasure, um, the more like the more playful things can be in my partnership in love, in sex, it's changed everything for me. So the benefits, like I could, you know, we would be here for hours if I was just like, this one, then this one, then this one, then this one. There's just so many. Dope, 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 dope. Love that for you. All right. Well, let's chat about some of the ways that we can actually use embodiment for some more specific things. Something that I get asked about a lot is how do I call call in my dream partner how do I manifest my dream partner how do I um become magnetic so yeah I'd love to chat about I know it's something that you speak about in your Mm -hmm. work like how to use embodiment to call in your dream partner and I'm wondering like how have you done Mm -hmm. this what are some tips that you could give listeners on how they can do this and and specifically use embodiment to land their dream squeeze Mm -hmm. it's so funny because when I started doing this stuff like actually kind of it didn't feel like devotion or discipline. It was just, I was just so jazzed about it. Um, like at that, I don't know, the next week, two weeks when I actually started, you know, really embodying it, (laughs) so to speak. Um, I met my partner now who lives with me and like, I'm just like head over heels with. So I really got to experiment with him, uh, like how, uh, how I wanted to play, how I wanted to embody what I wanted to embody. So, Hmm. Okay. There's so much. So the biggest piece to me is body language. And um, because, you know, embodiment is is everything. It, embodiment also is an energy. It's But body language is, is more a little more tangible. So let's talk on that. So let's say you are um, at a coffee shop and you have this fantasy like, oh, you, like I know I've had this fantasy and I know I'm not the only one. Where you're like, my dream person is going to walk in the room and they're going to see me and they're going to see like see how gorgeous I am and they're going to walk in. They're going to be so polite and respectful, but super like, you know, know what they want and like say, hey, like, let's go out, you know, like you're so gorgeous. And then you're like, okay. And then like that whole thing. So if you want that really badly, that can happen. But like, you know, if you're, if you're sitting there and maybe, um, you know, your, your chest is a little bit more collapsed or like your legs are crossed or like your arms are crossed, like that's a little bit even more. Um, and your body language isn't as, 
uh, open, a little bit inviting. I'm not saying that you have to be like this all the time because like, you know, embodying the bitch is also a practice. <laughs> so um, it's just if you're looking to if you're looking to call in and you want that moment, you know, is how can you be she who is desired? How can you be she who gets spontaneously asked out? Like what shape does your body take when you go, okay, if I was, and I'm saying she, um, because like, you know, I'm kind of just imagining talking to women, but you know, you could be anybody, you know, whatever. Um, but if, if you were to really drop back and down and in, and feel your heart and feel that longing, that longing that you have to be chosen, that longing that you have to have your dream partner. You fucking feel that in your heart and you let that blast out into the coffee shop. Oof, that, that energy is big. And then imagine you have that energy in your heart and then you use that energy and you put it into your eyeballs. And then you're looking at the person like this really hot person comes in. And you're like, damn, I want it to be them. And, you, they, you know, you catch their eye and you just use your gaze to to open them or to like enliven them or to, you know, kind of catch their attention. If you have your blasted open heart in your eyes and you're looking at somebody, that makes a huge difference. So. The body language um, is really a really big piece, and you can do you can do so much with this. Um, I still I love it so much. <laughs> okay, cool. So I would love to drill down on this a little bit more because I know sometimes I give um, certain uh, I use certain words or I give certain I don't know advice or tips to to people and clients, and it's all very well to sort of say like you know. Um, <laughs> take that hot energy and then put it in your eyes and then blast it out at them and like you know this and that it's quite it's quite difficult to actually explain something in a really Mm -hmm. tangible way that people actually Mm -hmm. are going to Mm -hmm. know what the fuck you're talking about and a lot of people Mm -hmm. will but then I know a lot of people will be like Mm -hmm. okay but like how Mm -hmm. do I do that how do I actually be magnetic how do I actually like Right. call someone in and, and use my body language or use my energy or my mm-hmm. eyes to send the right messages and signals and stuff like they want more like practical tangible like you know um I don't know not instructions but you know um I just want to like see if there's other ways we can phrase that that are going to be really um accessible and make sense to like the people that don't necessarily feel a heap of that energetic connection to like their heart space maybe or you know don't really know how to like project um their heart yearning through their eyeballs (laughs) totally and it's a little bit tricky because like this stuff is not linear it's not practical like it's just it's all up for interpretation so um what i like to do with this is uh like embodying archetypes so or characters or something so so let's say i used to do this when i was first playing with this like right before i met my partner i was doing this like fucking every chance i got so um i would be at the grocery store and i would go like okay how would jessica rabbit push the shopping cart and I would do it. And it was a little bit like vulnerable if I was fucking like if I was Jessica Rabbit, like all sexy, you know, um, that's a shape that your body takes. Or you can go, how does um, how does the queen take a shower? Like, how does she hold her body in the shower? And so it's all this is where it's not I don't want to say like 
don't do this and do this because um, that's like somebody saying like that same thing with art. Like art is just art and it's everybody's. So I would say to just, you know, interpret maybe these things, these archetypes of, uh, you know, if you like if she who inhabits her hips, she who's really into her hips, how does she walk? How does she dance? And then the more you do this kind of on your own time and maybe or, you know, set aside a practice or something, the easier it becomes in a moment of like, okay, you're at um, a party or a wedding or whatever. And there's like that person that you've like had a crush on forever. It's easier because you've been doing it. So I would say embodying the like different archetypes, different energies. Yeah, cool. It can be such a great way to just experiment and explore with different sorts of vibes and energies and personalities I suppose and you know give give you like a a point of reference for like Mm -hmm. um a certain vibe you want to put off or you know like how would this particular archetype who I really resonate with or want to want to like that I want to emulate how would they hold their body would their shoulders be back would they be like walking in this certain way or talking in this certain way and like how can I just put myself in in that energy or in those shoes um so that's really cool it's kind of like power poses but Mm -hmm. on steroids like it's a whole new level of um of exploring how holding your body and what shapes you put yourself in and what voice you use and um what kind of energy you're trying to embody and project actually changes your whole mood and how confident you feel and things like that so yeah that's cool I love that that's um that's something that's a whole angle of embodiment I hadn't even really thought of because I haven't really explored too much with archetypes but Mm -hmm. like it can be so powerful for people like I know a lot of people are super into it and they find it really helpful so yeah dope Mm -hmm. well it is now time for get pregnant and die which is a segment um where i ask you for a story about how your sex education failed you maybe a funny anecdote Mm -hmm. about um you know your sex ed teacher or something like that um and i've got a little funky soundbite that i'll play for you before we get started while you just think of a little story you're going to share with us don't have sex because you will get pregnant and don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have, don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it. Promise? That was amazing. Oh, my God. I just thought it was going to be a soundbite, not like a whole, like, little, like, better than a jingle kind of thing. Dang, that was so good. I love that. Yeah, I mean, like, the, thinking about the ways that, like, sex education failed me, i like, it's enormous it's just I remember uh I barely I barely even remember it like it left very little mark on me um but like the big one of the biggest ones is like oh yeah you can get pregnant you know anytime during your cycle like or you'll you know you'll die like just these really crazy things um STIs and like oh birth control is is gonna cure all of your problems and you know when you when you have your period just like put a tampon in and like don't mention anything about it it's gross and also just go about business as normal work out the same way still go to your social events like all of that it's it's crazy (laughs) it's crazy Hey, babe towns. So sorry to interrupt, but I simply had to pop my head into the lounge here and mention another virtual lounge that you've got to get around. 
It's the Labia Lounge Facebook group that I've created for listeners of the potty to mingle in. And there you'll find extra bits and bobs like freebies or discounts for offerings from guests who've been interviewed on the podcast, inspiring and thought-provoking conversations, and support from a community of labial legends. I also have an account on the fab new app Sunroom, which is a platform created by women for women and non-binary folk, and where there's no shadow banning or censorship of sex-positive content, unlike with the other platforms that I'm on. So you can hit up my sunroom for extra content and real and raw life updates because I'll be sharing on there from now on all of the stuff that I can't post anywhere else. My vision for both of these is that they become really supportive, educational, and hilarious resources for you to have more access to me and a safe space to ask questions that you can't ask anywhere else. So head over to the links in the show notes and I'll hopefully see you in there. And now back to the episode. So, all right, how do you feel about do you feel like being more embodied and being able to use embodiment tools and stuff like quite comfortably in day-to-day life and have that part of you integrated actually makes you more attractive mm-hmm. or magnetic to a potential partner without even really trying, like act- act- oh, actively yeah. putting, you know, love beams coming out of your eyes or making sure your body language is on point? Like, do you feel like if you're kind of living as a comfortable, confident, embodied being and you're doing this sort mm-hmm. of stuff for yourself in in your life anyway, it kind of works in your favor and you just become mm-hmm. more magnetic? Because I've like I've experienced this. I feel like um, just to share an example mm-hmm. from my from my own life, I find I get the most like attention and interest and feel the most revered and just like people are fucking smelling what I'm stepping in when I dance. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking like sensual dancing Mm -hmm. that's aimed at being sexy. I'm talking crazy, ridiculous, super expressive, you know, just authentic kind of dancing that is just for me and it's for my own enjoyment and amusement (laughs) because there's always an element of humor and, and play in there for me. And I get people coming up to me like nonstop when I'm at a festival or, you know, back when I used to gig in bands, um, just coming Mm -hmm. up and saying like, it is such a joy to watch me simply because I'm having so much fun and I'm using humor and irreverence and cheekiness and just all of that in my explorations of movement and music and, you know, just really like they're feeling how much I am enjoying being in a body and how much I'm having fun being in a body and just experimenting with like what I can do with my body and how I can enjoy the music through my body and my movement and my dance and my facial expressions. And, you know, I actually think that's more sexy than if I was trying to dance all sexy like. Um, So, yeah, do you feel like that's become really apparent in your experience as well? Yes. And and it's the same way too of like anybody who – is breathing deeply and making eye contact and is standing like with depth and groundedness and with like, they're just much more trustable when they're speaking slower, when they're with you, you're like, Oh, I can relax. And that's like the kind of, you know, masculine Shiva young energy of, of that depth. And so in the same way, uh, the, the embodied, the embodied, pleasure and radiance and joy and just the energy because that's you know if we're breaking down like feminine masculine which i'm I'm trying to find new ways because you know i feel like those are slightly expired 
Um, but you know, they're easy. Everybody kind of knows like what I'm talking about there. So again, Shiva, Shakti, Yin, Yang, you know, but if we're breaking it down, she, the feminine is energy and flow and love. And then the masculine is depth and consciousness. It's the void. And then, you know, the feminine is just everything is so it's like the light and the dark and, and so when someone is embodied in their feminine essence, then then it, it's magnetizing in the same way that a sunset is magnetizing and relaxing. You look at it, you look at, you know, even a thunderstorm and there's a part of you in your body that relaxes because it's just like this full expression of feminine force. And it and it's it's enchanting and it's alluring and it's sometimes, you know, frightening if it's like a big tsunami or if it's, you know, it could be like a little stream. So it could be a woman or anybody, a person dancing in their feminine essence, because that's, you know, the movement flow and energy is all feminine. So when you dance, anybody is in their feminine essence. It, it attracts, um, attention and, and awareness and, uh, it does no matter what it does do stuff, which can be very scary if um, you don't feel safe in your body. Even the other day, um, or I guess it was maybe like a month ago, I had a really, really um, crazy like trauma response that came up out of nowhere and it was rocked my fucking world. And so for weeks after it was so scary to, to not only be in my body, but like Weeks later, I would go to the grocery store and I was like hiding because I could not handle the male gaze. Like it was, and I knew me being an embodied woman, like I just attract attention from, you know, the little old lady to like the pervy dude. So no matter what, it's there. So it can be very scary. So I I understand that. Dude, totally. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because like I... I am always trying to find this balance between being <laughs> magnetic and being a fucking magnet for like attention I don't want or just energetic exchanges I cannot be fucked with. And um, mm-hmm. I know like a friend of mine, she is like honestly such a magnet. And um, she's always sort of complaining, like, you know, like I'll be walking down the street and I'll just have so much fuck off energy about me because I just can't be bothered with anyone or I'm in a really bad mood and I've got like nothing to give anyone else and I'll be power walking with my head down and my arms crossed and I will still get approached by someone or like, you know, I'll just be cornered by someone who wants to fucking chat my ear off and blah, blah, blah. And I'm kind of just like, wow, like what is it about? her that is so such a magnet for this sort of thing and and I think like maybe a part of it I suspect because she thinks that she's giving fuck off energy and that she has resting bitch face but I actually know and she won't mind me sharing this because we chatted about it heaps and you know yeah she doesn't mind um but she has a lot of issues with boundaries and actually saying no to people and actually protecting her own energy when she hasn't got much to give other people. She, she's got a lot of like people pleasing shit that she hasn't sort of managed to overcome yet, um, which is a, a sort of constant um, challenge for her. And so I kind of have a feeling even when she thinks she's being really closed off, she's probably still leaving herself open. Um, 
and and that's yeah i mean who knows though so i'm just wondering like how do we manage to strike a balance that's gonna keep us safe in terms of like having some some sort of boundaries in place when we don't want to be magnetic or we don't want to attract the wrong kinds of attention and um how do we how do we sort of turn it off and on at our own will and when we want to when we want to attract in i mean yeah because if you're going to be magnetic and you're attra- you're trying to attract in a partner but then you know you're starting to attract in just like all sorts of different people that aren't really a good fit for you and you actually don't want the attention of how do you navigate that and and how do we protect ourselves energetically when you know we're practicing trying to be open and magnetic um but at the same time filter out (laughs) the the attention we don't want you know what a freaking good question okay so no matter what like people are all people there's no like right or wrong signals because that kind of goes into like this patriarchal like she's asking for it kind of thing so it's like not not into that um but this is what this is, oh, this is such a good question i never actually formulated this but this is like making me feel like tingled um okay so i think what i do naturally and what i would do and what i would say is can still be embodied, but you don't have to be so open. Like you don't have to, you know, have your heart open, have your body open, have your pussy open, have like, you know, like, okay, world, like enter me, you know, I'm magnetizing my blah, blah. You don't have to be a magnet. This is where you can embody. Um, you can feel the firmness. You can be embodied without it being feminine, like masculine embodiment. Again, these words, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, feeling grounded, feeling your skin as like radiant armor. So you still have this, this like, whoa, she's fucking powerful. I don't want to mess with her. Like, I love embodying that. Like the queen who will, you know, say off with your head and like it straight up will pop off. Like, it, you know, you'll get decapitated just by my gaze. Um, you can do things without completely closing. It's a hard one though, because, um, you know, remaining open feels really vulnerable and being in my body a lot of the times means being open. So I think it's just finding a way to feel, again, dropped inward and downward, rooted, protected. And uh, and so I think, I think really like, again, archetypes are really kind of tangible and easy. So um, the queen or the warrior, um, you know, the huntress, or just like she who can't be bothered. You can just be like going to the grocery store and you're like, I cannot be bothered today. I will not be bothered. And you can still be embodied, but you don't have to, cause I, okay, I'm getting excited. Um, I feel like this, this sphere um, is embodiment means magnetism, attraction, alluring, sensual, sexual, and you can be in your body and not, calling out for anybody you can be in your body and not asking for attention you can be in your body sensual without um looking like you're you know like moving your hips and because we all know it's the same thing with like the crossing your arms thing crossing your arms you're still in your body you know it's it's the conscious decision i think of um okay i'm going to still be embodied but i'm uh I'm not going to be so open to where anybody can penetrate my field. 
know what I mean? Yes, love that. Okay, amazing. Because, yeah, it gets pretty old pretty quickly when there's like penetrative energy coming at you and you're just like, "Mm -mm, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't, I don't want this. Like, how do I turn off this superpower now? (laughs) Now? Um, Yeah, so, all right, let's chat about how to use embodiment in partnership. Say you've already like attracted in your super duper like dream lover. Um, using embodiment and now you're in a relationship like how do you like to use embodiment or how do you coach people to use embodiment Mm -hmm. to enhance their Mm -hmm. relationships and their intimacy Mm -hmm. so I think a big part of this is the polarity work which also big buzzword right now so we kind of already touched on feminine masculine dynamics um, and I'm just again I'm prefacing this again I'm just going to use those words and I'm probably going to speak heteronormatively heteronormatively because it um, kind of makes sense and it's easy to follow but please you know switch it up if you did so the embodiment piece is uh, you know making being devoted to your, your body, your embodiment, whatever that looks like, your practice, you know, and, and cultivating that because then it starts to feel safer to bring in another person into that because it's, if you were to just go like right out the gate, like let's say you're already in um, a partnership or you're married or whatever. And um, you're like, oh my God, I'm so stoked. I'm going to do this. And um, you know, maybe you've heard things from other people and you're going to do these practices. And then it's like, you freeze in that moment. Like, okay, so I, um, I love to give gifts. And, um, so I'll do like, you know, a sacred lap dance. I'll do like a little performance. I'll do like a kinky little thing. And even just the way that maybe I'll change my voice in a moment. Maybe I'll like start licking my, my hands, like their little paws, like I'm a little kitty cat. Like some of these things can be, they're not like quote normal they're kind of taboo. They're kind of, they're kind of weird. And so if you were to just go right into it, um, it might shock your nervous system. If maybe, especially if it's not like received, it's like, what are you doing? It's like, Oh fuck, what am I doing? You know? So, um, I believe that putting, you know, having your own practice is really helpful. Um, you know, solo on your own, if you're going to maybe do a lap dance, like maybe do like a little lap dance on a chair to a ghost and like kind of get into it. You've never given a lap dance before. See how your hips move. So I think that the the solo practice uh, is a big portion. But when it comes to partnership, oh, my God, it's just there's so many possibilities. So with the polarity, and I'll, let's say you're a feminine essence person and you um, have a masculine, you know, essence person, person as your partner and and you want to evoke more depth and awareness and strength. And um, you want him to like pounce on you and you want him to like pin you up against the, the, um, the wall and you want him to like make the, make the choices and be like, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to do this. And you're like, okay. You know, you can, if you want those things, then, then you have to just like everything with polarity, it's, uh, one one is in one category the masculine side one is in the feminine side so if if you're kind of in decision making mode you just got you know done with work or you had a busy day or whatever take time to drop into your feminine again this is speaking if you have a feminine essence 
drop in, meaning drop into your body, drop into your pleasure, drop into your breath, maybe take a shower, maybe put on something that makes you feel good. Maybe even if like you're in your jammies, but you're like, I'm just going to put on red lipstick because fuck it, I'm a woman, you know, um, or whatever. So for the practices, there's, <laughs> I just love it so much. I like moment to moment things because those are like, that's what relationships are about. It's not like the relationship, you know, you go on this one retreat one time in 10 years and like then your relationship's fixed. Like it's the day to day, it's the moments. So, so in the moments, um, okay, so here's an example. So something that I like to do is I like to let my partner decide on a lot of things because then number one, I don't have to, and that feels kind of good. Um, and the other thing is, is I don't, if I'm leading or directing something, I'm in my masculine essence. And so I don't want to be. And I mean, it's, it's an interesting one to be like, okay, I will be she who follows the rules. Cause part of me is like, no, or like, you know, being led and surrendering I'm like, oh no, no, that is too, too much. So it's a practice and it challenges me for sure. But so a practice is to have your partner make decisions for you and your practice is to go along with it and to be like, okay, because then you're trusting your partner's leadership and that feels really good to him. Again, heteronormative, but the trust in the leadership, the trust in the direction, the respect, the like, hey, I trust you to make the right decision for this moment. I trust you that you're going to pick the right you know, restaurant we go to for dinner. That feels really, really good to him. So so the example that um, is coming up is the other day um, I was going, I got out of the shower and I picked, um, I got out all my dresses and I was like, I asked my, my partner, I was like, okay, can you pick a dress for me to wear to lunch? Because I knew I wanted to wear a dress. I'm not saying, hey, pick out my whole outfit because like I would not, I would not trust him with that. Um, but maybe, whatever. Um, I was like, here are my dresses. I knew I wanted to wear a dress, pick out a dress. And of course he picked out the one that like, I'm not, I didn't want to wear. And I was like, and I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, um, this is my this is my practice. And so I put it on, and I'm putting on earrings. And I was like, fuck, I do not feel cute. I do not feel like sexy. I don't like this. And so I was like, I looked at him, and I was like, I don't want to wear this dress. And I kind of like complained a little bit. And uh, he was like, don't wear it then. And I was like, oh, fuck. And because I realized what I'm doing is I'm basically, and this you know maybe is taken a little bit farther, but I'm basically saying, hey, I don't trust you to make the right decision. You made the wrong decision. So I'm kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Like kind of taking away a thing, being like, you didn't make the right decision. I'm going to wear something else. But it's just me being like a picky bitch. You know, I'm like, no, I don't like the way that this feels on my body today. Like, you know, I, if I put it on, I would have changed my mind anyway. So, so he's like, okay, pick another one. So I did. And I liked it. And then I kind of got back like, ooh, okay, this is better. And then I realized, wait, I want that same juiciness that I know is here when um, when I let him lead. And so I kind of looked at him. I was like, I kind of like changed my voice a little bit. And I, I was like, um, I was like, hey, I'm sorry I went against what you said. I'm like, I'm not sorry. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but like, it was kind of like fun to, to do that, to kind of play into it because it's such a small thing. But um, I'm basically going like, hey, I'm sorry. And he said, he kind of like stood taller and he was like, that's okay, but do you know what's gonna happen? And I was like, what? And he's like, go over there, bend over, you're gonna get some spankings. And I was like, okay. And so like, 
the polarity just completely shifted. I was like trying, I wasn't tr- intentionally trying to, um, to take back the control, but I ended up doing that anyway by wanting a different dress. And so then giving him back a thing, something, this is just, you know, a, a way of saying like, it's not, it doesn't always work out perfectly where you're like, okay, I'm going to do this practice. I'm going to embody this, this thing. And it's going to happen in this moment. It's going to be great. But like, again, sh- okay, new moment. Where are we at? Okay. I want to go back my feminine. I want him to like, you know, and we've been practicing for a little bit of time. So he kind of, it's, he snaps right into it. He's like, okay, it's, I'm going to give him some spankings. And, uh, and then we had lunch and it was beautiful. So <laughs> that's just like an example and a fun story. <laughs> yeah. I've totally had times where it just hasn't gone the way I intended when I've been like, okay, so the, the dynamic here, the balance here is a little bit, um, mm-hmm. askew compared to how I would like, because mm-hmm. sometimes I can really fall into my masculine and, um, be, you know, just calling the shots and things like mm-hmm. that, which then doesn't really allow me to surrender into my feminine, but it also undermines my partner's sort of, um, I guess, masculine mm. presence. And so, like, if I'm trying to, I mean, uh, you know, yeah. I guess allow him to make a decision or, you know, some of the examples you gave about um, getting that polarity back to how you mm. want it to be, but then my little inner control freak will be like, oh, but actually <laughs> – no, like I don't want it that way or I, I want to just do it myself because then I know that it's going to be done the way I want it or something like that and then you're like, oh, fuck, I've just undermined his masculinity again <laughs> um, and it's not so much like something that I struggle with these days and with this current partner. It was more like in past relationships and I hear this heaps mm-hmm. with um with my female clients as well that they will sometimes not feel very sexually um, desirous mm-hmm. of their partner or whatever or in the bedroom they kind of struggle because they feel like they can't just surrender into their feminine and allow their partner to take the lead and they really enjoy it when the partner like takes the lead and calls the shots and is in control and like maybe you know if they're into a bit more kink or role play mm-hmm. or power play you know throws them around yes. a bit or just like is more of the dominating um polarity and then you know if their partners are a little bit more in their feminine or they're kind of rejecting their masculine a bit then the female um in that dynamic mm-hmm. or you know the feminine essence person kind of feels as though then that means they are thrown into their masculine and they aren't able to just enjoy being really melty and surrendered and mm-hmm. um letting someone else call the shots so it's interesting that you gave that example because it's um yeah that whole polarity thing it is pretty binary like the language around it nowadays and things and it's tricky because it's like mm-hmm. it's all kind of a bit outdated um in that sense but I have really noticed like a big difference when it comes to attraction and sexual fulfillment and compatibility you know when there's when there's opportunities for each of the people to really play with their masculine and feminine energies in a way that's complementary to one another and like creates a really good balance and maintains polarity there so that there's a lot of like sexual energy and um, excitement between them. So 
I think mm-hmm. it can often be the challenge of um, the feminine essence person in the equation to actually chill the fuck out and be in their feminine and allow the masculine to step up, you know, like um, without undermining that or emasculating them by, you know, being too um, in control or not trusting them, not trusting them to like have it, you know. And so, you know, maybe I, I like I hear a bit that these women or my clients are like frustrated because their partner's not initiating enough or they're the ones that have to initiate and that's not sexy for them because they just want to like have someone come and take them and and um create that space for their feminine um (laughs) but sometimes I'm like yeah but are you creating space for their masculine um enough so yeah that's the thing but then there's like there's all the also the element of like safety and um i've like my next question is around um like when when you're in an intimate situation and you feel like your body is almost contracting or closing like against that person's advances or their their touch um and so they might be like trying to be in the masculine and trying to um you know initiate or call the shots or whatever but then you know and I know this has kind of happened to you like and it's a bit of a trauma response I also hear from clients a lot that you know sometimes even though they really love their partner or they're really into their lover and they want to have sex and you know their brain is like yes they find their body shutting off and um recoiling from their lover when they're approached sexually um because like probably on so many occasions in the past they may have might have felt objectified or rushed um or kind of harassed maybe you know pushed into penetration before they're ready or their body's ready and like just generally as though their bodies were being poured at or invaded or um taken from you know rather than given to and that that's something really common that i hear hear from women is that they they feel like that and then um whether from some sexual abuse or whether just from that kind of thing being such a a constant thing in their earlier sexual lives you know they've been so harried and so put upon sexually and treated as this like sexual object for the gratification of the other person that now they're in this like loving relationship and they're all about their partner but then this like automatic response just happens in their body where they contract and they like recoil against this um you know partner's touch and so that makes it really tricky to make love so yeah do you have anything to kind of offer on that topic because I know that's kind of relevant to you as well yeah and so the first part um when you're talking about like you know one side of the coin being they like their partner isn't initiating enough or you know they're having to call the shots and be in their masculine because their partner isn't um this can be hard a hard pill to swallow for some people so maybe just like take a breath and it's you know it's not directed to everybody but in my own experience and like whew, my goodness and also what i see and hear in so many other uh people's experience women specifically it's not as much like a lot of it is blaming the partner a lot of it is he's not masculine enough it's he's not calling the shots It might be you are always calling the shots and you are not giving him the opportunity to call the shots. So in the bedroom, this is a, this is like a, it's hard if you're, if you're also kind of like, like me, right. I I want him to call the shots, but also I really have to navigate 
you know, okay, my body's doing a weird thing um, or like, I'm, I can't, I'm not ready for this yet. And so uh, it's, it's, it's definitely tricky. So with, on that side of the coin, I would, I would maybe just ask anybody who's like, Hmm, I want my partner to initiate more or pounce on me or like flip me over. Um, how can you show him and not tell him? And again, I'm saying him, but show him you want to be spanked show him you want your throat grabbed if he's like you know going down on you or like even just like looking at you and you just start touching your throat and kind of grabbing your throat or if you start pulling your own hair he might swoop in and pull your hair you're not saying can you please pull my hair baby you know that's because that's not sexy um but doing that and then you'll be surprised what comes through when you speak less and show more so that's that's one little takeaway uh in terms of the the other side of the coin, which remind me, what was that about kind of like the body safety and, and shutting down? Uh, yeah, just around like uh, mm. a, a woman's body kind of shutting down and shutting off from someone sexually, even though their mind is like, I'm so mm-hmm. into this, you know. Oh, my God. And that's like been my life for the past, uh, I don't know, five years. So I fucking feel you. Whoever's feeling this, I feel you in this. And it's a it's a struggle. And so I see you in that. So number one thing, if your body's having a response, do not force it to do something it doesn't want to do. When it's your mind, that's a different story because my mind now that my body's pretty chill, my mind's like, oh no, it's it's not okay because we used to have these responses and it's trying to protect me, but my body is still you know open, excited, aroused, ready. But my mind's like, no, no, no. So when it's the mind, it's a different story to me but the first thing is is don't force anything and if you have a good partner they're gonna be okay with it because they want you to feel good and safe and and, you know happy and loved so excuse the interruption my loves but i'm shamelessly seeking reviews and five star ratings for the potty because as i'm sure you've noticed by now it's pretty fab and the more people who get to hear it the more people it can help Reviews and ratings help me curry favor with the algorithmic gods and get suggested to other listeners to check out. Plus, they make me feel really good and appreciated as I continue to pour my heart and soul into creating this baby for you. And I promise I don't maz over them or anything. I mostly just tuck them away for a rainy day when I'm filled with self-doubt and existential dread about being self-employed, which is fairly frequently. (laughs) So you see, leaving a review really does make a difference and it's an easy little act of support that you can take in just a minute or two by either going to Spotify and leaving five stars for the show or writing a written review and leaving five stars over on Apple Podcasts. Choose your poison, or if you're a real overachiever, you could do both. Whoa now. If you are writing a review, though, just be sure to only use G-rated words, because despite the fact that this is a podcast about sexuality, words like sex can be censored and your review won't actually show up. Lame. Anyway. Oh, oh, what was that? Oh, you're going to go do it right now while I wait. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great idea. May as well just quickly click that five-star button before we get on with it and, you know, like forget about it and get on with your day. Um, um, oh, I'm hearing them roll in. I'm hearing those five stars. <laughs> oh my God, I make myself cringe. Anyway, uh, thank you much, Lee. You're a total gem and I'll let you get back to the episode now. Yeah, I think in the partner setting, 
communication is really big and um, and you have to find what works for you in uh, it's so complex it's so complex I would say that doing your own solo you know kind of body safety practices getting to know your body just laying down with music playing or in silence and it just like listen to your body I know we hear that so much it's like almost aggravating like to hear it again but just to really to lay down in stillness maybe hands on your heart on your womb maybe not maybe you're just breathing and you're just listening to your body doing a practice on your own like with devotion with with like okay body I want to make you feel safe what can I do the, the more you do that on your own, the easier it gets in the moment. And then you'll know it'll be easier for you to in a moment where maybe, you know, your partner's going down on you or fingering you or whatever, or even you're making out. And then you start to have this thing of like, oh, no, something doesn't feel right. Or a thought pops in your head or, or a memory comes in and you're like, fuck, it's here again. I don't want to shut down. Um, and then your body starts to shut down and um, you'll have you'll have a deeper awareness of what it feels like so you can kind of feel it coming on you might have ways to kind of self-soothe yourself or resource yourself back into the present moment and you'll know you'll be able to listen to your body's voice more your womb's voice easier because you're doing it in silence in an you know on your own in a moment that's not charged or you know you know what I mean totally like that's such a common thing you know struggling once it's it's like one thing when you're on your own and it's a whole other thing when there's like a whole other person there and you can feel their eyes on you or their touch or their presence and energy and stuff and it like throws you out of your own experience and can throw you off center when you're trying to um really drop in so like if you are it's like if you're a meditator Uh it's like if you're well versed at this and you've had a lot of practice doing it on your own it will be easier to access that even when there's another person there um and I think like you know we're talking about embodiment and stuff and obviously there's this tendency to dissociate if there's Mm -hmm. a trauma response or it's not not fun to be in your body and your body's contracting and being like get me out of here um but something that came up on a podcast I did with um Melissa Vrangis it was an amazing podcast episode about struggling to orgasm with a partner um so would highly recommend checking that one out from a few weeks back but it's like you know some people can have orgasms on their own when there's no one else there but then when there's someone else there it's just such a distraction and there's so many more things going on that it can be really challenging and she was talking about how she gets the question a lot as do I about how do I get out of my head how do I like stop being distracted and overthinking and like get into my body and she was kind of likening it to like you know when we're told Mm -hmm. to meditate we have to clear our mind we have to get out of our heads blah blah blah. and she was saying like well I think a client actually gave her this little tip and she's like oh my god that makes so much sense um and she was like you actually don't need to get out of your head necessarily you can use your head to get into your body so you don't have to clear your thoughts and just totally project yourself into your body somehow magically through intention alone Mm. you use your mind like you think about focusing on something in your body maybe your breath maybe what it feels like to receive touch and you know you kind of use your brain to Mm -hmm. your advantage in this way rather than trying to get out of it you just like shift the lens um which I thought was a really cool little tip right right exactly exactly it's like also to there's so much of like okay just 
don't think negative thoughts and like then they're still there or even just like trying to empty your mind okay let's say it's an empty mind well then something's got to fill it because that's like the nature of the void is something that fills and then if you don't if you don't have any kind of practice or tool or something to lean back on of like what's the new thought or what's the new story and then the old story is just going to come back even if it's like 30 seconds before you're like okay that story is no longer and i've cleared my mind that's a, that story or another story is just going to come back. So I, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, any, any practice you have solo is going to impact and hopefully enhance any mm-hmm. experience that you have partnered. So I'm wondering like when you're in this situation mm-hmm. and you've got that body shutdown going on and um, mm-hmm. a bit of like repel, repelling energy when you actually like <sighs> want to be DTF, like what do you do? What are some embodiment tools that you use to navigate this, um, especially when there is a partner there like with you and you're feeling the pressure of like that other person's presence? Not that they're putting pressure on you, but you know, like what do you, what do you utilize in these situations that maybe some other people could like um could implement as well when that sort of thing happens to them Mm -hmm. um the one thing that's coming up right now is um this is kind of more like the the woo-woo piece a little bit um where like when i drop down into my womb my womb to me personally it feels like she she's like the goddess, the goddess lives in there. And so she knows what she needs. She knows what she wants. She doesn't take bullshit. She's like, stop right now or keep going. Or I want this. I want something different. And she'll tell me, um, it's a cultivated skill, but so listening, listening and discerning. Okay. Is this my head talking? Is this my womb talking? Is this my heart talking? Is this, is this a fear? Just kind of like and it's, it's hard in the moment, but again, the, the more that it comes up and the more it's just awareness is there, um, discerning, okay, is this actually my head that, is this, is this my womb that wants to stop? Is this my body that wants to stop? Or is this me being afraid to surrender? That's me speaking to me. <laughs> um, and then on a more practical level, this is what I, I learned from my mentor just recently when I had that really big trauma response because I've been struggling with this, with this question of like, how do I bring safety into my body in a sexual moment of closure? This is like literally the, the thing that brought me into this this work and it's so massive. So um, on a practical level, I think this is kind of more like, you know, therapy, trauma-y kind of stuff, um, the concept of resourcing. So I like, uh, my mentor told me kind of like an inward and outward resourcing. So this can even be like before the moment starts and before you, you like, if you know, things are heating up a little bit, you can go wherever you're at. Let's say you're in a room and you scan the room and you, you have something that brings you back into the moment and something that maybe, maybe it like makes you feel good. Maybe it's, you know, beautiful flowers, or maybe it's like a portrait of your, you know, your dog or whatever it is. It's something that you're like, oh, I love that pillow. I think it's so beautiful. Whatever. You have a thing outside of you. And then you also have a thing inside of you. So you have something that you can access. Like if your eyes were closed or if you couldn't see or whatever, um, where you feel a part of you find this like, wherever it is, it could be the desire to want to surrender 
or it could be the part of you that makes you feel real that, that you, the safety that you already feel the the or the the knowing that you'll know when to stop if it gets too rough if it gets too hard or it could be something like tangible in your body like your uh, your spine or your legs your legs are so stable or your feet that ground you something something kind of in and on your body and then something outside of your body that if a moment comes back and you start to kind of like fade in and out and you're kind of in this trauma response, you're kind of in this disassociative state or something's going on, you can kind of pull back, open your eyes. That's the biggest thing I'm finding. I close my eyes all the time. I can, when I dance, I can just drop in and I drop fucking deep. And so now the more that I focus on opening my eyes and being in the room around me and I can see my hands, I can see my arms, I can see my belly, that has helped so much. So I think that's what I would say. Yeah. Just love that. Love like, yeah, resourcing yourself with something internal and something external. So you're covering all bases. And I love that you mentioned <laughs> opening your eyes and like using uh, using your vision because that's mm-hmm. a big thing that, I mean, I've got like a whole module in my in my online course, Queen Out, mm. about how to navigate trauma responses. Um, and what to do when this sort of thing comes up because the course is quite trauma-informed. I think it's just so important. Um, And like, you know, the eyes, it's not even just opening your eyes. You can actually use your eyes. There's like these cool studies now that have shown that if you move your eyes like in their full range of motion, so you look all the way around to the right, all the way to the left, up, down, you like move them around and you also like lock onto things in your environment Mm. and like look at visual, like visually look at objects and name them in your head or out loud. You're like, oh, that's a chair. There's a lamp. I see this red colored cushion and um, you're kind of looking around the room and moving your eyes the movement of your eyes sends a signal to your nervous system that it's okay to chill out and that you're safe and also like just the presence that it takes when you're focusing on like naming and identifying Mm -hmm. the things you're looking at in your physical environment helps create a sense Mm -hmm. of safety and resource you with that safety as well by like grounding you in the physical um and yeah, I mean, there's so many th- there's so many cool things. There's like places you can touch yourself on your body. There's like this pressure point in your ear that you can you can touch that'll sort of activate your vagus nerve and help tap into that nervous system, um, that parasympathetic nervous system. And yeah, it's really cool. I love I love all that stuff. So there are lots of ways that you mm-hmm. can kind of practice to resource yourself and be in a more yeah. um, safe space nervous system wise so yeah just wanted to mention that because you were talking about the eyes and I was like totally (laughs) um so it is now time for my favorite segment our all of our favorite segment TMI we love it uh so yeah what you got for us dish up the goods girl give us a TMI story um so that we can all banish the stigmatization of taboo topics because they're here to be talked about (laughs) this is so good oh my god that was awesome okay um tmi so i was kind of like trying to think about this and the thing that came to my mind is uh so i love sacred gift giving, which is basically just like me revealing or expressing um, myself to my partner or to the world or whoever. 
And so it was actually, it's easier because it was um, my, my partner's birthday. So this is last year and um, he came over and I had had a, like a plastic sheet, like from the hardware store and I had baked a cake and I was naked and I had pigtails in my hair and like pink ribbons in my hair and I um, had the cake and I left maybe like half of it intact, you know, so he could like read that it said happy birthday or whatever. And then I had the other half, just like I was rolling around in it. I smeared it all over my body and he walked in and the, like the way his face lit up of just like, oh my God, this is a, a dream. Like this is a fantasy of like, I didn't know that he wanted that, but like I had this feeling. And so, um, yeah, so we did we did that, and then there was just like lots of licking, lots of eating, lots of just like he used the the like frosting as lube in a way for him. Not like it didn't go inside; that would have been like a a gnarly UTI. But um, yeah, so bad. But he like used it on him, and so then I was just like licking it and eating it off of his cock, and so it was really really um, it was fun. And so that was like almost a year ago. So now I'm like due for a new um, birthday. Like I gotta want I gotta up myself from that, but. I don't know. I don't. Oh my God. I would like, there's, I feel like there's so much and like how, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to like really think about it. Um, yeah, but we still have a couple months, so I'll ponder anybody like listening, DM me suggestions because, um, even if it's just like a Tuesday, that's still great. So, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I relate to that so much. I've excelled so hard on the birthday front for my partner since we've been together Mm -hmm. and it's his birthday coming up as well actually in October late October and I'm like fuck what can I possibly do to top the last year's effort you know like I've really set the bar high and now I'm like damn have I run out of ideas um so maybe we can both put out a poll (laughs) on the Facebook group for the labia lounge and like get some ideas or maybe on Instagram or something Mm -hmm. come up with something fucking extra special but just before we wrap up, I wanna I wanna go into a little bit of um bit of talk about how to use embodiment to access deeper pleasure. And I'm not talking like just sexually, but like, you know, also in everyday life. Like how does how does it um help us enhance our experience of being in a body, of you know, how how does it help us access more pleasure? Um and maybe some examples of like how you do this. Yeah, so I feel like in the embodiment space, there's so much emphasis on sexual pleasure and like, or that's just what everybody thinks and talks about. So before I kind of get into that, I just want to bring in the fact that when we feel pleasure in our bodies in a non-sexual way, it makes sexual pleasure so much more accessible. What I mean by this is that you imagine you are... uh, like you, you know, like a warm laundry pile that like just came out of the dryer and it's like a cold winter day and you like nestle into that, that kind of sensory pleasure. That's what I'm fucking talking about. So like that, or like, you know, you got flower petals on your, your skin or you taste something really good or you take your bra off after a long day, these kind of things where you're like, oh yeah, recognizing those as being pleasurable too. And the way I like to do that is also like kind of sounding my pleasure, even if it's subtle, it doesn't have to be all like eyes in the back of your head, like, you know, orgasm face, because sometimes it's like, might be a little much for the situation, but um, just like a, mm, just like a, you know, when you're eating and you're like, oh, this is so good. 
um, then you're, it kind of trains your mind and your body then, and then your nervous system to be like, oh, this is pleasure. Oh, pleasure is easy and feels good and it's safe and it's accessible. And so then you feel pleasure more. So then when you're in a sexual moment and maybe pleasure doesn't feel accessible because maybe you're stuck in your head and you're like, how do I feel more pleasure? You kind of have some experiences to lean back on, maybe even an hour beforehand when you're in the shower and you're like, wow, this water feels so good on my back. So really um, focusing also on the non-sexual pleasure I found has helped me so much in sexual pleasure and kind of cultivating that. Yeah, fabulous. So what are, can you give us some examples or like tips or strategies or tools um, that we could start practicing with, maybe some that you use to basically tap into more pleasure and enhance our pleasure um, in life, but like definitely in the bedroom? Yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is sounding, like just sounding, like and sounding vulnerably and unabashedly and not the way that you think that you should or not the way that you've heard it in porn, but just like whatever it is, um, that just opens something else in your body. We already know like the the throat and the womb and we know like on an energetic level, on a nervous system level, like sounding just like tapping and shaking and all these things, making noise, humming, moaning, singing, growling it just brings more life and it it puts it gives more space in my mind so um i would say just like experiment with sounding and and again this is helpful if you're doing this kind of on an everyday level you have a bite of chocolate cake and you're like "Mm, wow that um and like for me that's like even subtle so like um but then it, then it becomes easier to to sound in a in a sexual moment and sounding just it helps you it helps your body be like oh yeah this does feel good and and it helps you to it just just open things up so i would say sounding i would also say um i like the like an energetic exploration so awareness down into the places, I say down because like oftentimes it's down, down into the places that feel really good. And, and like, how does your pussy feel? Or how does, you know, how do your parts feel? And, and seeing this one's fun for me. Um, How much pleasure can you hold without orgasming? Like how much pleasure can you take into your body? Can you hold inside your body without climaxing or orgasming if orgasm is accessible to you? So, and even if it's, if it's not, this is still, this is a really good practice to kind of um, get you to feel deeper, deeper, deeper levels of pleasure. Um, And this is also similar to pain too. Like when I get tattoos, I'm like, okay, I can hold this. I can hold this pain. I can hold this pain. I can hold this discomfort. And that's a more masculine practice of of, um, being wide and having your capacity stretched. But so you're exercising both the feminine and masculine. And uh, with that, if you're in a sexual place and you're feeling so much pleasure and you just focus on the pleasure, that's, that's the thing where I think it's the mind too, 
is a lot of times, even me, I'm like, does my hair look good right now? Is my thing kind of like, is my makeup smeared? Um, it would maybe look better if I like moved my tummy. So it wasn't like all bleh, you know? So if all of that faded away and it was like, I'm just in my pleasure and I'm dropped down and I'm imagining my pussy is like a, you know, dripping wet lotus, just opening. And I'm like, wow, wow, wow. The more when I I'll sometimes play this little game, I'm like, okay, feel as much as you can. Don't come. It is so hard not to come because I'm like, oh my God, it feels so good because then I'm giving myself permission to feel as much as I can, um, as much pleasure as I can without the constraints of like, okay, well, you better come right now because he's going to come right now. Like, you know, it's been a long time and blah, 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 like that shit. So just to be like, okay, I'm, I'm not even trying to come. I'm just trying to feel as, as good as I can. That opens a lot of doors. Yes. Love that. Totally. Like that, that kind of edging practice of like, not just trying to be super goal oriented and like get to the, get to the end, the finish line and have an orgasm and this peak kind of experience where you come and then it's all over Red Rover. It's like such a Mm -hmm. cool practice to actually just try to expand your threshold for how much pleasure you can feel and it's like that's the technique mm-hmm. that you know we coach men on when they're having issues with premature ejaculation it's like when they come it's because they've spilt over and they've reached that that capacity that threshold of how much pleasure they can handle before it actually spills over into ejaculation and um mm-hmm. and so to basically try to stretch out and expand um that that threshold mm-hmm edging is such a great practice and and mm-hmm. it works it's not just for people with dicks like it's awesome because the more you practice that the more you kind of like let yourself feel like heaps of pleasure and then let it subside or plateau and then feel more pleasure and like expand into that and and then let it sort of die away a tiny bit and you're just kind of like coming up right right to the point where you might come and then backing off a little bit and and elongating the entire mm-hmm. sexual experience every time you do that that's actually building on the pleasure that you've already been experiencing and just mm-hmm. like pushing that upper limit a little bit further and further so your capacity for pleasure yeah. increases and your threshold is higher and higher and then mm-hmm. before you know it not only have you been in an orgasmic kind of state where you've got these undulating waves of orgasmic energy moving through you for a longer period of time but then you know, you're actually able to hold more pleasure before you come. So then when you do, it's like a way more intense orgasm as well. So I love that. That's a cool thing for you to have mentioned. Um, and like something I was, something that I is pretty like relevant to me and that I chat with sometimes with clients is like, um, what if, what if someone has a chronic pain condition or even just really, really terrible menstrual pain kind of thing? And, um, like I've got costochondritis, which is like a a chronic pain, like inflammatory thing in my sternum. And it's very painful. I've had it for years. And, um, sometimes it's just not very fun to be in my body and I don't really want to feel embodied because it's yucky to be in there and it hurts. And then I find that, you know, tricky, um, sometimes like sexually when there's a pain thing going on in my body to then also be able to feel and lean into the pleasure. So what would you say to someone who they want to be more embodied, but they've often found being in their body to not be a very pleasant space and, you know, that pain making it kind of hard to access pleasure? 
Yeah, totally. My, um, my mom has Lyme disease and MS. And so like chronic pain, I've seen it. Um, I've seen it firsthand and it's just like, it is so intense. So I really feel, I feel for, for that. Um, so what I would say is, and like, I am no specialist. I am no doctor. Like, um, but just a suggestion would be kind of um, going back and forth and pendulating between the pain you feel because you don't want to be like, I don't feel this pain because that's not the truth. And then your body's going to be like, okay, fuck you. And it's going to be like, I'm going to show you that I'm in pain because I'm in pain. So like, look at me. So you don't want to do that. So being with the pain and going, okay, hi. And then also the kind of swinging over to where can I feel even a little bit of pleasure? And this could be like, I have so much um, inflammation or my joints are so achy today. But in this moment, I kind of like the way that my hair is like brushing against my shoulder or like the fans blowing on me. And that feels pretty good or something like that. The smallest thing of sensory pleasure is fine. Also, um, any pleasure that comes to, to mind, anything, there's like no wrong, right or wrong answer. But then you can kind of then go back to the pain and go, okay, ow, fucking ow. And then you can kind of swing back over to like, mm, but my hips feel pretty open today and that feels good or whatever. Or I'm, I'm eating this thing or I'm drinking this thing or I have an ice cube on my head because it's so cold. Like, I don't know, or it's so hot. Um, but going back and forth between those things that helps to that helps your capacity to hold both of them and to not be like I can only focus on pleasure or I can only focus on this pain I'm not going to get out of this pain I'm always in pain everything sucks and the same can go too with um you know mental health shit or like you have a lot of anxiety right now or you're fucking bored out of your mind or you're depressed or whatever. Like to see those things and to feel those things, whatever's coming up. Okay, I'm really nervous right now. I can feel this tingling and, you know, this, the fear in my body. But I also feel a little bit of pleasure right here. My, my shirt is really soft and, oh, I kind of feel it on my nipples. That kind of feels kind of good. Oh, okay, I'm really, I'm still really nervous though. But I do feel my nipples and they feel good. And going back and forth and back and forth. Because then you can kind of be like, okay, I don't have to just live in pain. I can live also simultaneously in the pleasure. Um, so you're not negating the pain, but you're just including, you're inviting in pleasure and and kind of, you know, becoming friends with both of them. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, cool. Hey, me again. If you'd like to support the potty and you've already given it five stars on whatever platform you're listening on, I want to mention that you can buy some really dope merch from the website and get yourself a labia lounge tote, tea, togs. Yep, you heard that right. I even have labia lounge bathers or a cute fanny pack if that'd blow your hair back. So uh, if fashion isn't your passion, though, you can donate to my Buy Me A Coffee donation page, which is actually called Buy Me A Soy Chai Latte because... I'll be the first to admit, I'm a bit of a Melbourne cafe tosser like that. And yes, that is my coffee order. (laughs) 
You can do a once-off donation or an ongoing membership and sponsor me for as little as three fat ones a month. And I also have a Sunroom profile over on the Sunroom app, as I've mentioned. And I also offer one-on-one coaching and online courses that'll help you level up your sex life and relationship with yourself and others in a really big way. So every bit helps because it ain't cheap to put out a sweet podcast uh, into the world every week out of my own pocket. So I will be undyingly grateful if you support me and my biz financially in any of these ways. And if you like, I'll even give you a mental BJ with my mind from the lounge itself. Saucy. Um, I'll pop the links in the show notes. Thank you. Later. Um, All right. So just before we call it for the day... How do we get into these good habits with embodiment and awareness and things and like make sure we're doing this stuff enough to really benefit us when it's fucking hard to motivate ourselves sometimes? Like I've personally fallen off the embodiment um, or like really the movement more so for me, like that the movement wagon since having like a bunch of health challenges and things like that. And I know a lot of people um, really struggle mm. with sticking to something or getting into a good routine or a good, um, you know, habit. Um, so have you got any tips for us on how to pretty much like bring this into our lives more when everything about the modern day life is pretty much mm-hmm. against being embodied and trying to disconnect us from our bodies? Um and making it really hard to form good habits and stay in a good kind of healthy routine with that. Like, what do we do? What if there's resistance? What if there's like forgetfulness? What if there's just a really, yeah, a big challenge for some to actually stay in this habit and like integrate it and implement mm-hmm. it in their lives in a sustainable way mm-hmm. that's actually going to, that's actually going to stick and then have the chance to benefit them because they're, they're doing it in a sustainable way Mm -hmm. regularly i think the sustainable word is a key thing so again kind of going back to what i said at the beginning of bite-sized tangible attainable everyday moments it might be a matter of like remembering oh yeah i can be in my body right now which maybe you need a sticky note maybe you need a an alarm on your phone of like hey be in your body or hey you are in your body you're like well that's right so seeing you know when you're driving your car, when you're laying down, even when you're at your laptop, you're like, how can I be the most embodied bitch right now while I'm typing? Like anything at any point, just like remembering you are in your body and you are your body. And then if you want a little bit more, like if you're, you're into this and you're like, yeah, but I want more. I would say this is where you, you know, equal parts devotion, equal parts discipline um, of, set aside an attainable, uh, you know, container practice of, okay, once a week, I'm going to go and I'm, I have this 30 minute long playlist of all the songs that I love and I can feel really big and I'm going to do that. And you just, you don't have to plan anything. This is what I love to do. This is my practice because sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm going to like visualize this. I'm going to do this breath work and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do a pleasure practice and I'm going to chant and I blah, blah, blah. And like, sometimes I'm just not in the mood. So I just go, I have a container of time. Um, I feel like that's really important because sometimes I might tap in really, really deep and then I'm like a fucking puddle afterwards of emotion and uh, stuff. And so having that container, I'm like, okay, well, I know that by the end of, you know, I know that at this song, this is the last song. 
this is me wrapping it up. So having a, a time frame or, you know, a timer or whatever, I like playlists, then you just go onto your mat, onto your bed, wherever you have a space and you can just feel, you can do anything. A lot of times for me, it just looks like me falling asleep because, hey, my body's like, you need rest, bitch. So I fall asleep and that's it. And that like, <laughs> that's my practice. So just setting a little bit of time aside to go, how does my body want to move? Maybe you stretch, maybe you sound, maybe you're like, oh, I'm kind of like horny right now. Maybe I'll just like touch myself a little bit. Just meeting your body where it's at in that moment. That's just like, that's, that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Big time, big time. It's like, you know, in my yoga teacher training and mm-hmm. every freaking yoga class I've been to, basically, like the teachers will always say like, it's not about what you do on your mat. It's not about like if you can do all the poses mm. and all the things. It's about getting on the mat in the first place. And you could literally come here, get on the mat and just lie there for the whole fucking class. And that's amazing if that's what your body needs. And at least you got on the mat and that is a start. And it mm-hmm. makes me think of like the way that I'll kind of um, get myself into doing shit I don't want to do, but I know is good for me <laughs> um, is like, I don't know where I heard it, but it's like the two push up rule, which is you know, if you're trying to get into exercising more or like getting stronger or whatever, and you just don't want to do a workout and there's heaps of resistance and it's like, I can't just do a half hour or hour workouts like so much. Just taking that first tiny step and being like, okay, do two Mm -hmm. push-ups. That's all you have to do. If you do two Mm push-ups, you've done like, if you set that goal, it's so fucking achievable. It's almost laughable how easy it is. You'd be crazy not to just do it. And then once you do two push-ups, chances are you're probably going to do a few more and you'll do five or you do 10 or you do a couple of sit-ups mm. because you're already on the mat yes. you're already like yes. doing the thing and that was the hardest bit was just to like do it um and so anything like I might um you know be like oh like I should do some yoga but I'll just be like okay I'll just do one sun salutation and that is it or I'll just do some stretching for five minutes or to one song I'll dance to one song and then chances are I end up doing a little bit more and then I'm like, oh, wow, I did I did more than my goal. And it was actually just getting myself on the mat. But if I had have initially said like, all right, you're going to do like fucking an hour, hour, oh, my God, an hour long yoga class or you're going to dance for half an hour, I probably wouldn't have even embarked on it in the first place, you know. Um, so that's it. And mm-hmm. I also really like for forming habits. This is a little hot tip for anyone. Team it up with something that you already do really regularly and without fail. So my one is like brushing my teeth or having a shower. I do that every day, sometimes twice a day. I mean, always twice a day with my teeth, but, you know, um, just to clarify, I have great oral hygiene, everybody. Um, And so if I know I'm going to do that thing, there's no chance of like forgetting that because it's so ingrained at this point and I feel really fucking gross if I don't. So if there's something I want to get into the habit of doing, like meditating, each day then I try to pair it up with that daily habit that I'm already in and then I make that association and then every time I have a shower or I brush my teeth I'm like already I'm like thinking of okay so now I'm going to meditate for a bit or you can do you can do the embodiment while you're showering or brushing your teeth you could dance in the shower you can like get into your body and really feel your senses when you're there you know so that's that's a fun little way that I like to um sort of give myself a kick up the bum very gently and sustainably (laughs) so i'm gonna leave it there that is a wrap in my books um we've gone way over time which i'm prone 
prone to. <laughs> um, but I'd super highly recommend everyone checking out Riley's Instagram. Um, I'll pop it all in the show notes. She's also given us um, a link to a womb remembrance meditation. So I'll put that in the Facebook group for the Labia Lounge. And um, yeah, just get on the Instagram. It's so <laughs> fucking entertaining. It's so cheeky. It's so um, real and very creative. And like, <sighs> holy shit, man. Like, your your Instagram camera work is second to none. I'm going to need to get some coaching off you or do some collabs or something because it's like <laughs> I'm shocking at that stuff and you are nailing it. So definitely check that out for a lull, everyone. And, um, oh, my God, thank you so much, Riley. It's been a fucking pleasure. And, yeah, it's been amazing having you. I hope you had fun. Thank you so much. It feels so funny to like be the one on the podcast. And I'm like, thank you so much for having me. But like, it's for, I'm for, for real. Like, it's so fun to chat. This time just flew by and um, it's really a big pleasure, pleasure to talk to you. Oh, the pleasure is all mine, sugar. All right, everyone. <laughs> bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> and that's it, darling hearts. Thank you for stopping by the Labia Lounge. Your bum groove in the couch will be right where you left it, just waiting for you to sink back in for some more double L action next time. And in the meantime, if you'd be a dear and subscribe, share this episode, or leave a review on iTunes, then you can pat yourself on the snatch because that, my dear, is a downright act of sex-positive feminist activism. And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify, and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered, or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at freyograph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time.